This is episode three, just in case you were wondering. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back. This is episode three of the uh, Brew Crew official podcast. Um, we got some good stuff talking about uh, Core 21 spoilers now that the entire set has been released as of today. And then you as have of all of today. Tw- 20 to minutes ago. It. Yeah, as of two minutes ago. Um, and then you have all of today to digest it before Jumpstart spoilers start tomorrow. Uh, we're going to try out some new things on this podcast, and then we'll discuss uh, what we're looking forward to most in the coming week. How's that sound, Julian? Uh, sounds good to me. Chev, before we dive right into the spoilers, did you want to talk about the Pro Tour at all? We did actually just have one this past weekend. We did. Um, I... Uh, since this is a casual podcast, uh, I have spent absolutely zero attention um, on the Pro Tour, but the only thing I've heard about it is Teamer Wreck. Is that about some uh, of the experience of the Pro Tour? Yes, I paid just slightly more attention than you did, um, and yeah, it looked to me that Team Wreck was coming out in full force, which, um, if you listen to our first podcast, was not a surprise, because we said once uh, Companion's uh, reign at the top was over, <laughs> the format would probably revert back to what it was right before their printing, and Team Erect was one of the strongest decks uh, from that previous uh, Theros Beyond Death standard. So no surprise that people are picking that up because it's just such a powerful deck, does a lot of things, plays the long game really good, and mm-hmm. um, it's tried and true. So no surprises there. That's probably all we really need to talk about, like you said. We're, yeah, that's we don't really need to get into the weeds on what we're about to get into, so... Exactly. Why talk about old standards when we can talk about new standards? New fancy, new shiny standard. All Amen. Right. So, so what are you what are you picking up from this um, set? Now that we have all of the cards uh, released, what is what are some opinions and you know thoughts that are coming to mind? So, first off, before we get into any specific cards, I, I do want to say that this core set, and I've heard this uh, sentiment echoed around the corners of the internet that this might be the most powerful core set of all time. Uh, Wizards is going uh, all out here. Um, they're printing a lot of really pushed cards, a lot of cards that push design space. And um, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing for me is I'm starting to question whether the corset is as originally intended. Yeah, the original idea of the corsets, or at least how I understood it, was it was a way for Wizards to print simple cards, get people who are new to Magic to come and play, it's, uh, you know, there's no specific mechanics. Like, if you put Mutate in front of a, a new player, mm-hmm. there's going to be some issues. They're not yeah, really going to be some going confusion. On. And, no, I, I totally echo what you're saying because, you know, we, we saw corsets went away in, um, after 2015, right? And they, they lay dormant for about four years because it was thought that they weren't really helping the, the game any. And then when they were brought back, you're right, it was, it was to introduce new players, have, like, a more easy, solved... Um, draft environment that's like less worried about individual synergies but what we're seeing with um core 21 is all kinds of crazy shenanigans and i i actually was doing some research i think the only core set that comes close is uh core 2011 now 2011 if you're unaware had fauna shaman primeval titan it had the titan cycle it had sarah ascendant uh ley lines um the original planeswalkers lightning bolt i think for its time, this would be the earlier iteration. So maybe it's just something that comes around every 10 years. That's what I'm getting from. <laughs> I <laughs> doubt Wizards is, is planning their these meta cycles out so far in advance. but Exactly. The super yeah, I, uh, I, I'm thinking that the core set has kind of shifted roles into mm-hmm. being something where Wizards doesn't need to focus so much on the lore of a specific plane. They're not tied down by any themes like that. Right. Um, they can really print whatever they want and theoretically print things that are needed in standard. So there's a lot of cards um, here that are just kind of answers or specific things exactly. that help. Um, you know, there's Containment Priest, um, which is a reprint. There's Tormod's Crypt. These are all just what would be traditionally sideboard cards um, right. that don't really fit in other spots, but Wizards can print them in here just to shore up any holes in standard. Oh, exactly, but, yeah. We're seeing a lot of like graveyard hate in here, uh, like you were saying as well as scavenging ooze, and then even a uh, kite sail freebooter, which uh, was from Ixalan, one in a black. When it enters, target opponent reveals their hand, choose a non-creature, non-land from it, exile that card until it leaves the battlefield. We're seeing a lot of stuff that seems just 
just in time to hopefully prevent some of the the issues we've been seeing from being perpetuated as we go forward. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah, I'm looking through the spoiler right now, and I'm just there is so much text on all mm -hmm. of these cards, especially the rares and the mythic rares, but even some of the commons and uncommons. There's oh, yeah. just a lot to digest. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting turn. I mean, I guess it's been coming for some time now, but they really just said this is the new way we're going forward. This is right. the new world order when it comes to uh, core sets. And it seems like it's it's not. If this is the direction that the corsets are going to go in, which, you know, as an enfranchised player, I certainly have no problems with, because I think it makes it a more exciting environment to draft or to go to the pre-release for, but it has led to some really awkward, um, not not flavor fails, but like awkward uh, formatting things with the, the text boxes. And I know we've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. One of the big ones is a while ago, you know, protection was seen as a somewhat confusing old mechanic, right? Because protection... Uh, means a card cannot be targeted or dealt damage to or blocked or attacked or no that whole list of things um but right you know, exactly you don't even to... you don't even know all the things that it does yeah. and you're like <laughs> it, it uh it applies to both things that your opponent's doing and you're doing so if something has protection from white you can't enchant it with a a white uh, aura you can't target it with a white ability or spell and you know that was seen as kind of um not super i guess there there's times when you know you feel like you you failed because you couldn't apply this ability yourself. So, in Dominaria, of course, we saw Hexproof From coming out. And this was a weirder templated one, which we all know Hexproof. You know, it can't be uh, targeted by our opponent. Um, and then having Hexproof From Black or Hexproof From White led it to a more, you know, specific thing that was trying to hit that point where you can still target your own creature, um, but your opponent can't sort of deal stuff to it. Uh, right, and, and uh, this is oh, also sorry, after Wiz This is also after Wizards was moving away from Hexproof because it was too much of a uh, not interactable. So it was mm. interesting, even back in Dominaria, which what was two years ago now? Um, yeah, twenty eighteen. Jeez, time flies. Um, but uh, yeah, this was even back then. We were like, oh, you're bringing Hexproof back now. They really kind of come full circle. Mm -hmm. um, and now, of course, we're seeing that uh, Protection came back, I think, in Core 2019. They had a couple cards with Protection. We're all like, wait, hold on. I thought Protection like was, was done. We were replacing it. And they were like, no, no, it's just uh, not not expected to be in most sets. It's, it's uh, I think the word is evergreen they use, where it can come up. No, not evergreen. Like, it can come up sometimes. But, of course, you know, what we're all leading to with this is Core Set 2021 has both of these mechanics. We're seeing cards with Hexproof from uh, colors, like Hexproof from black. I'm trying to find an example right now. And then we also have cards with protection. So when mm -hmm. we're going circling back to this idea of our core sets made for new players, how are we supposed to explain to new players that a set has an ability that, no, no, this can only be targeted by you, um, Hexproof from black, where protection, it can't be targeted from anything. And it, we have the effect that exists uh, from previous sets and then the effect that was supposed to replace it and both of them are put together and it just i honestly i'm gonna make the mistake more than once i know it where i'm just looking at something and totally confusing protection for hexproof from um which i think was a complete failure on wizard's part to include both sort of templatings in this set or at least i find it incredibly confusing yeah it's like we've been saying it's just interesting to say the least that Wizards has made this shift and kind of gone, you know, come full circle from uh, mm -hmm. from things they said. But I, I, I'm I'm grateful that I play most of my drafting on Arena because there they won't yeah. even let you target it. Like you can't exactly, even... yeah. You so have I'll be like, hand. yeah, I'll be like, why can't I click this? And then it'll actually make me read the card and be like, oh, okay, <laughs> now I understand. And then on the the complete opposite side of this, we still have some sort of carryovers of trying to cater to this new audience like for example there's a new enchantment or a uh, five mana two blue and three called enthralling hold now we kind of laughed at this when it was shown off a couple days ago and it's a it's like control magic for uh, one extra mana where you enchant creature and then you control enchanted creature but it has an additional line of text that says you can't choose an untapped creature as this spells target as you cast it which seems like a really long-winded way to end up saying enchant tapped creature um but maybe in a way that's more understandable if you're new to the game and don't really understand tapping or something like that. 
Uh, but to the rest of us, it just reads like a little bit like word vomit. It's so many yeah. extra words to uh, get across one simple idea. Yeah, generally the the shorter, more elegant uh, way to put it is the better way. So I'm there's got to be some weird mm, yeah some rules edge case thing going minutia on. some weird rules minutia that's that's why they worded it that way because they're generally pretty good at making things concise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what it is, but yeah, it's just. Let's uh let let's let's wrap this up. But yeah, there's <laughs> been some interesting decisions uh with the direction of this core set, whether mm-hmm. how things are templated, what's included, etc. Right. Um, but wh- why don't all we talk in all, about? Still very excited for it. Yes. Oh, for an enfranchised player, this set is a dream. There is a lot of great things. We already talked about a bunch last week. Um, but let's talk about some more. Chev, why don't you why don't you start us off with? A couple of your your favorite picks yeah so um going into this a little bit i i'm immediately drawn to some of the the legendary creatures that are coming back with new uh either they're like enfranchised um and returning characters like caravec or um teferi's daughter i forget her name now is it nimbini Nam- um Na- it's something like that nambi ba- not yeah, bambi Niambi. Nam- yeah nambi there you um, go and then of course we have a uh, rada part of Keld, which is, you know, this is her third iteration of card. Um, and mm-hmm. this one is the first one that cares about your land specifically. All have cared a little bit about um, ramp or at least some form, with the first one being a mana dork who also gets mana from attacking. The second um, gets mana that doesn't leave your pool um, for each attacking creature. And then finally we have this one. Uh, so it's one red, one green, and one generic, 3-3. Three, three. Uh, as long as it's your turn, Rada, Heart of Keld, has first strike. Uh, you may look at the top card of your library any time, and you may play lands from the top of your library. Now, that's similar if you remember Corsair of Crufix. Uh, and yep. then for six mana, Rada gets plus X, plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of lands you control. So that's that's beefy. That is an ability that, you know, we, we're seeing um, sort of that plus one, plus one for each land you control on uh, the Black Blade, I think it is. And you yep. have a commander deck with a commander that does something similar. But seeing it yeah, as a Dak on Black effect, Blade, the original. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Before the Black Blade was uh, taken from him, but so now we see with Rada where you can actually pump it multiple times, um, which is insanity. And you know, there definitely you can see this as in charge of her own builds. You can see uh, Angry Omnath trying to recruit her to its ranks. Um, I think it's a fantastic card. Yeah, I like this card. I think that if you're building this you probably just want all three radas together yeah uh, one one for the flavor win but also they all kind of feed each other and i think this is uh the most all-encompassing um mm-hmm. I, I think this might even see a little bit of play in standard um really you know yeah as we've said many times ramp strategies are just so strong now and being mm-hmm. able to pull those lands off the top of your library i mean Corsair of crucifix saw play uh, pretty much its entire time that it was in standard. If you remember, it was right. In, that's uh, true. It w- it was a four of in all the Abzan decks with like Siege Rhino and stuff when right when we started playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is you know kind of the same thing. And then since you're already ramping so much, you know this is a nice beater where a lot of times those decks will have 10, 12 mana. If you can double pump Rata, you know, um, mm-hmm. that's a lot of damage coming your way. <laughs> that is so a lot I wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if. Uh, either like the gruel kind of mid-rangey decks or mm-hmm. maybe even something like team of reclamation plays this in the board so when you know if you're sideboarding and you're bringing counter spells to counter their expansion explosion well now all of a sudden they just have a rata era of keld you know heart of keld attacking you for 15 or whatever <laughs> so yeah. anyway I, I i do like that card that's a good pick so do you want to go into uh, a couple of yours, and we'll kind of go back and forth for this? Yeah, why, why don't we do that? Um, So I, I'm going to cheat a little bit with my first one, and I'm going to talk about a whole uh, group of cards. Um, mm-hmm. And these this is the Shrine Cycle. So if you remember all the way back, or well, I guess we weren't playing back then. We were actually quite young back then. <laughs> but uh, the original Kamigawa set, they printed um, this group of legendary enchantments called the hondans um which had a subtype of shrine and then each of them would do something on your upkeep i believe 
um, relative to the number of shrines you had. There was one in each color. The green one, I believe, made tokens. Uh, the red one dealt damage. The white one gained you life. Yeah. Uh, the blue one drew cards, and the black one made them discard cards, I believe. Yeah, um, yeah, something I think like it was that. Discard. But anyway, we have a cycle that's similar to that now, once again, in this core set. It's all the sanctum of something. So the white one is the sanctum of tranquil light. The green one is the sanctum of fruitful harvest, etc. And then uh, they all actually don't have something that trigger on your upkeep. Um, some of them have activated abilities. Some of them have things that trigger uh, at other times. So I'm just going to read a couple of them, and then uh, we can discuss. So the Sanctum of Tranquil Light is just one white mana, Legendary Enchantment Shrine, and it has an activated ability of five and a white tap target creature, but this ability costs one less for each shrine you control. So theoretically, you could be tapping things for just uh, you know one or two mana, um, mm -hmm. which is great to kind of stem you know a tide of uh, attackers, and it also only costs one white. These kind of these oh, yeah. these these curve very nicely into each other. Um, so the next one would actually be the Sanctum of Stone Fangs, which is a black one. It's just one and a black. At the beginning of your pre-combat main phase, each opponent loses X life and you gain X life, where X is the number of shrines you control. Um, the green one is three mana. It gives you X mana of any one color. Um, the blue one is four mana. It uh, draws you X cards, um, and then you have to discard one. Um, and then the red one is uh, kind of like a Borborygmos effect. You discard a land card, um, and then it deals X to target creature planeswalker, where X is the number of shrines you control. Uh, that one also costs three. But they kind of curve out nicely, so I, I feel like you could, and maybe this is a hint hint that Chev or I will uh, <laughs> build a deck uh, that is several shrines. They're, they're a nice little um, mm -hmm. engine, and they, they do provide kind of uh, enough protection, I think, to to build a viable deck really uh you know with the red one you can start picking off creatures and planeswalkers the black right. one will drain so that you can kind of not only take their life down but also keep your life up the white one lets you tap stuff um and then the green one will give you mana to help play those cards the blue one will refill you so they kind of all feed into each other assuming you're playing um all of them so i thought that was a really cool cycle also the hondans so, oh, sorry, of course, ahead. Julian, um, with the release of Historic Anthology 3, the Hondans have come to Historic, and I know you were looking into the format. Uh, I definitely think uh, you could get started with 11 um, Shrines as your starter deck into the format. Uh, yes, sir. I, well. <laughs> I think that is uh, something that I might have to look into, but there's actually, like you said, there's 11. We talked about those five, and there was the original five. There's one more called the Sanctum of All. It's one of each color, so Wooburg. Uh, and then at the beginning of your upkeep, you may search your library and or graveyard for a shrine card and put it onto the battlefield. Shuffle your library, obviously. And then if an ability of another shrine you control triggers while you control control six or more shrines, that ability triggers an additional time. So this just buffs all your shrines as well as gets you ones that you might need or you know, a second copy if you're playing um, them in a non-commander format. So yeah, the interesting thing here was, uh, as I was looking into a little when these things were announced, the idea uh, that kind of inspired this second cycle of these um, shrines was slivers, and how each of them kind of you know key off of each other. And every time that slivers are brought back in a set, they're brought back with a five-color legendary. So it was the thought that yeah, we have five new shrines, and of course we need something to tie them together. And this is essentially a shrine lord. Um, doing a lot of what uh, some of those original Wooburg uh, slivers would do, tutoring for anything that you need. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it certainly does the job. So I, I'm excited. I think this is one just – it's just cool design space. I like that mm -hmm. Wizards is coming back to this. Also, it's definitely something that I'm going to try either in uh, – well, I'll probably try it, honestly, in Standard, Historic, and also Commander. Um, yeah. Or maybe, maybe you might beat me to it in Commander, but – um. Yeah, I was already thinking of putting these together with that o Okagachi um, Wooburg Legendary Dragon from, um, I think it was C-17 that came in the Ur-Dragon. Yeah, deck. yeah. I think that could be a cool flavor win and try and yeah. do something with uh, Maze's End and all of these good, good shenanigans oh, wow. that can exist. Yeah, so just like five-color, just jank, but like control jank, alternate mm -hmm. win cons. Yeah, that would actually be... I feel like that would be that would be pretty cool. So well, keep your fingers also, crossed. We might see it on the uh, the Brew Crew site soon. I have a feeling that we might. Hint, hint, <laughs> wink, wink. So that was mine. Why don't you Why don't you give us another one? 
was so a, another there. one I want to kind of uh, tackle is well I'll, I'll give a brief mention of uh, Subira Tulzidi Caravaner who I think is one of the coolest red legendaries we've seen in a while it's um, she's a red and two generic two three um, she has haste and the ability for one generic another target creature with power two or less can't be blocked this turn which is pretty powerful because a lot of the times we've seen this ability it's on a tap trigger of another creature so this you know we can we can use all of our mana once we have a proper forge state and enough little chumps um to swing out and be completely unblockable but what really gets me is the second ability uh, it's one red and one uh tap and discard your hand until end of turn whenever a creature you control with power two or less deals combat damage to a player draw a card now the discard your hand draw cards that is something we've seen in red before obviously mostly with wheel effects where Get rid of your hand, draw an equal number of cards. But this trigger of whenever a creature you control deals damage, draw a card, that's never seen outside of blue and green. And yes, there's the discard your hand from the front, but if you have a decent board size, this could be massive. And I'm really interested to see uh, where this will be taken in other formats. But, of course, if you tune into the um, Brew Crew site as we update today, I did put together a pretty sweet um, commander build behind Subira with a, a pretty well-known tribe behind her. Um, if you, It's not hard to guess, but I'm not going to give it away so easily of, you know, little guys that are generally in um, red. But for more on that, tune into our site. I really want to focus on Conspicuous Snoop, who is this weird little goblin. Um, and I didn't really grasp the significance of it at first. It's uh, two red, two two. Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast goblin spells from the top of your library. And as long as the top card of your library is a goblin card, Conspicuous Snoop has all activated abilities of that card. Now, I thought, okay, you know, this is a pretty cool goblin card. Um, you gotta play more goblins, play goblins all the time. But as it, it slowly dawned on me and a lot of others, as we will cover a little bit in the financial update, um, just how well this combos with a classic combo piece, Kiki Jiki. To make an infinite board of goblins if Kiki Jiki is on top of your library. <laughs> I can see how that would be powerful. <laughs> and especially, it's, it's uh, I'll, I'll um, let you guys in on it right now, it's, it's really making all kinds of goblin tutors um, start to increase in price as we see one of those grab whatever card, um, especially, I believe it's Augur, um Harbinger, Harbinger from, yep. from one of those. Um, and uh, yeah, from the Lorem block. It tutors up a goblin. And puts to, it on top to of your top. library, correct? Correct, yeah. So, you know, you drop that, you put Kiki-Jiki on top while Conspicuous Snoop is on the field, and then you can make an infinite board of little guys that could be sacked to deal direct damage, swing that turn. You're, the possibilities really are endless, considering Kiki-Jiki will remain on top um, for that entire turn. So we're starting to see like some stuff like that. And I definitely did not give the Snoop the <laughs> respect it deserved when it initially came out, but now I'm, I realize it's a force to be reckoned with. I did not give the Snoop the respect it deserves because it has one of the dorkiest looking arts of all time. It does. The art is pretty ridiculous. It's great. I Like, I love it, <laughs> but it, you just... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Just look at the art. It speaks for itself, and honestly, the name is ridiculous too. But yes, powerful card, and... um. I don't know. I expect it to see play. Um, another card that I, another card that I expect to see play, and I think I think uh, we can agree that Conspicuous Snoop is going to see a lot of play in in some older formats, maybe Legacy. Mm -hmm. um, I think another one that's going to see a lot of play in older formats is Stormwing Entity. So uh, another popular tribe that's been on the rise, Elementals, but it doesn't necessarily need to go in an Elemental deck. Uh, this is a three blue blue flying three three with prowess. So that's already reasonable rate, um, especially yep. if we're talking something like limited um, or even certain standard formats. Mm -hmm. When it enters, you scry two. Excellent okay. again. I like it. We like we like the filtering. Um, but then the kicker here is not actual kicker, not the mechanic. But um, <laughs> this spell costs two and a blue less to cast if you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn. So that would bring it down to one and a blue for a three three flying prowess that scries two when it enters the battlefield, which is an extremely good rate. And as we That's know, insane. in formats like Legacy, like Modern, we're playing all sorts of cheap instant sorcery spells. Um, lightning bolts, um, you know, 
preordain, ponder, serum visions if you're in modern, um, even certain ones that are free, like a gunshot, um, rip Gitaxian probe, but that would have been there too. So I feel like we're going to be seeing this thing come down a lot of times on turn two or three in, um, you know, modern or legacy, and it's just going to beef. It's got evasion already. Um, it kind of sets up your next few draws with that scrying, and then mm-hmm. in you know in a kind of spell slinger either uh, is it or team or deck um, in those sort of things. I'm thinking team or delver from legacy um, or something like that. Um, you're just slinging spells all the time. This thing is going to be easily five six power every turn swinging oh, in the sure. air. I think it's going to be very powerful. Um, I think it it could even see some play in standard depending. I mean there is still an elementals deck. That has pretty mm-hmm. strong support. Um, and I think Opt doesn't rotate until rotation. fall. Opt, uh, yeah, so the Elementals, which were primarily in the last core set, Core 2020, um, mm-hmm. which had like Big Omnath, or not Big Omnath, but uh, Teamer Omnath, and, uh, and also all the Cavaliers. Um, they don't rotate until the fall. Opt rotates in the fall technically, except it's actually, I just saw it's being reprinted in this set, so that oh, will still is? be in the format. <laughs> yep. Um, so, uh, shock is being reprinted as well. So I think storming entity is going to be, uh, yeah, I, very I definitely powerful. expect to see it in standard. I, I think actually we talked about this on the last cast, but I think this and Chandra's, I think it's incinerator. Yeah. The five and a yeah, red yeah, one the, that the costs X less. Red. Yeah. Six, six trample costs X less where X is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt. I feel like mm-hmm. a blue red deck with these, a bunch of just like burn spells and a bunch of like cheap card draw spells. Uh, I feel like you could really do some uh, some some significant damage. So keep your eye on that one. That is my second pick. Chev, what do you got now? My my last one I want to highlight is a a late comer to the spoiler season. It came after the massive land dump yesterday, um, but it, it definitely has the potential for one of the the coolest arts I would say. And this is nine lives. It's two white and one generic. An enchantment. With Hexproof, um, if a source would deal damage to you, prevent that damage and put an Incarnation Counter on 9 lives. When there are 9 or more Incarnation Counters, exile it. And then when it leaves the battlefield, you lose the game. So, we're already seeing that, you know, it can't even be targeted, meaning you're going to have to do something with Mass Removal, or I think there's a couple cards out there now that remove Hexproof from... um, Permanent to your opponent's control, but those are definitely more fringe than something like Deafening Clarin. Yeah, I don't think there's anything in standard. There might be a land, but I, I can't remember. I thought it was one that, you know, taps for one generic. Could have come out in the commander sets, but... Oh, uh, yeah, I believe that's a commander card. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, yeah. so it, it's very hard to get rid of, um, I would say, unless people are really prepared for it. And it, you know, gives you a, a much longer clock to survive and get up to shenanigans. Especially with things from, I think Ikoria sometimes cared about moving counters around. Um, and you could probably pull off something where you're continuously removing the counters. Or there's that um, that black-blue... Um, well, he could be from a previous set. I could be thinking of a, a weird format on Arena. But, of course, you know, as soon as you get into Historic as well, you've got this guy. And then with Wizards talking about re- bringing back the Amonkhet block to Historic, you've got Solemnity. Um, now, if you're not familiar, Solemnity prevents counters from being put on permanence you control, which is an interesting combination with nine lives to effectively make no damage able to kill you. Um, mm-hmm. Solemnity has already done similar things with cards like Phyrexian on Life in mm-hmm. uh, older formats and Commander and stuff. So yeah, this is just another uh, another iteration of that, but with the built-in Hexproof makes it a lot more stable. Right. And you know, I I don't bring my Selenia uh, Dark Angel deck out of the out of the box much, but this could be something that could uh, see an inclusion in there, where the main theme is to get myself down to about zero life, and then give someone else zero life uh, with a life exchange. And this this seems like it could get me there. <laughs> yeah, or at least prevent yeah. me from losing life while I get up to some shenanigans. Exactly. This definitely is a protection measure. Um. I'm not as high on this card as you are. Um, Is it because uh, you're a dog person, Julian? I am a dog person, although, Trev, I do have a soft spot in my heart for your cat. Um, Beep is a great cat. Yes. Uh, the thing for me is, 
So I don't think there's anything that just like mass wipes enchantments. Um, essentially, that's really the only way you can get around the hexproof for this. So mm -hmm. I think it's safe there. The thing is, you would want to play this in a deck right where essentially against an aggro deck or a slow deck, right? But if right. you're playing against an aggro deck and they're attacking you with four creatures, yeah, you're gonna, that's four you, you need different some way sources. To get rid of the tokens. Yeah, that's four different sources. So all of a sudden, now you have all those counters on there. If there's a way that you can reliably remove counters from this, uh, I think it gets a lot stronger. But uh, I'm unfortunately hesitant. I, uh, I know that sometimes I'm the voice of reason, but I, I just, I don't know. I do like the art, though. The art's super mm -hmm. sweet. Um, and I think that... I really think that a lot of these cats are magic cats. Like, I'm pretty sure that's Kahira on, like, the top right. Really? I yeah, didn't if you look... <laughs> if you look... Yeah, if you look, the... So there's, like, um, in the art, there's, like, a cat, and then, explaining to the mm -hmm. audience, uh, in the back there's all these kind of, like, Lion King-esque King um, star, like, projections, astral projections, or whatever you want to say. Yeah, and that's definitely Kahira, the Orphan Guard, um, mm -hmm. from Ikoria. I'm pretty sure that uh, the one right across the way from Kahira is um, the green-white uh, cat commander from when they did tribal decks. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, dude, I think... It I'm pretty sure it, one yeah. of these is one of these is Kemba Ka region. I'm trying. I'll have to play a game and see if I can name all these at some point. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Now, now the the last thing I will add. Um, so the card I was thinking of is from War of the Spark. It's called Soul Diviner. It's a blue and a black tap to remove. And um, I'll go into why this is kind of funny. Remove a counter from an artifact, creature, land, or planeswalker you control. Draw a card. Now it is missing. The very specific text to say it can remove a counter from enchantments. So I wonder if that's on purpose. Um, but I think that would be an, it would have been a totally amazing combo uh, to have Soul Diviner yeah. keep drawing you cards and prevent attacks from big threats. But uh, alas, they saw through that. Yeah, alas. Um, before we move on, there is one one thing I wanted to bring up that we kind of glossed over when you were saying. It, but Wizards has confirmed that they are attempting to essentially backfill. Um, mm -hmm all the sets that aren't on arena uh probably through um i would say next last few years i think they were I, yeah the only things i've heard specifically were kaladesh and amonkhet yeah because after kaladesh and amonkhet they had um ixalan, ixalan. i think yeah ixalan yeah so Dominaria. that was i think i think ixalan was like the first thing that was on arena and then dominara yeah so i think they're gonna backfill or they have said they're going to backfill um, those. Uh, they haven't really described how they're going to distribute them um, and how yeah. people can get those cards, but those will those cards will come in and they will be legal in um, Historic. So that's cool. There's a lot of, uh, lot of powerful cards. I'm looking forward to playing with the Scarab God because since I did not get to play with it uh, when it was in Standard because <laughs> it was uh, mucho, mucho expensive. All right. Um, let's get to just a couple more cards. Um, sure. Yeah. A card that I absolutely loved when it first came out, and this is odd because I'm not usually like a red red card card sort of mm -hmm. guy. Is a uh, Terror of the Peaks, Mythic Rare, three red red for a five four dragon has flying, of course. Spells your opponents cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional three life to cast. And then whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's power to any target. <laughs> so, a few things. One, it's already good on rate. It's a 5-mana it's a mm -hmm. 5-4 five flyer in a tribe that people care about. Trying to even interact with this thing is already going to cost you 3 life. Uh, Chev and I, we have said multiple times, started playing during Khan's block, so a card that was very similar to this was Thunderbreak Regent which was yeah, uh, slightly was smaller, okay. cost a little bit less, but it had this ability for basically all your dragons. Anytime they wanted to target them, um, it was an additional three life. Or he, mm -hmm. the the regent dealt three damage to them. Um, so it's already been a proven effect. Um, it's hard to interact with. And then now you're tacking on uh, essentially Warstorm Surge, which is a commander staple. Um, mm -hmm. 
and just a powerful effect, especially if you're dealing, you know, making a lot of tokens or something. Yeah, it might be only one or two damage a pop, but if you're making tokens at a reasonable rate, uh, that's a lot of damage uh, coming in. Um, so, you know, I could see this in almost maybe even like a something like a Krenko, where he, uh, you know, he attacks and he makes those uh, tokens. Oh, yeah. And that's just no, that a bunch of damage brutal. right there. So this card is sweet. Um, and I think that it's going to be even better once we get rotation and mm -hmm. things like uh, three mana to fairy and stuff rotate. Um, once again, right, kind of like that's how we true. activated abilities that target it will come with no uh, additional uh, cost. Exactly, exactly. And kind of like we talked about Older Gargaroth last time, uh, since this does not immediately affect the board or have haste or anything. Um, there's just a few too many things that are working against it, but I think right. once rotation comes, this is going to be a super powerful card. I'm going to try and play with it. Um, I have not played Gruul Monsters in a long time, and uh, that's always a fun deck. So uh, catch me going, uh, you know, turn two Mana Dork, turn three Questing Beast, turn four Terror of the Peaks. Um, I'll be very happy when I can I'm do that. I'm excited so. to see it. If I was watching you, I'd be terrified if I was on the other end. Well, I've I've gotten beaten down by Questing Beast. Oh, and don't forget, I'll obviously be playing four Embercleaves. So oh, I've gotten I've gotten beat down by some of that that I think I need to return the favor uh, to <laughs> to those punks on the ladder. Mm -hmm. Tear the Peaks, uh, sweet card though. Um, there's just two more cards that I want to discuss. Um, actually, maybe three. I don't know. Uh, one that I want to hit real quick as I am uh, scrolling back through is Transmogrify. So this mm -hmm. is a three and a red for a sorcery rare. Exile target creature, that creature's controller, reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. They put that card onto the battlefield, shuffle the rest into their library. So it's essentially another what we call polymorph effect. Um, mm -hmm. Polymorph being the original one, which was in blue. Um, Chev, we were, we were talking earlier about how Wizards has pretty much completely moved this... Uh, I guess effect. We could call yeah. It so this, uh, I this effect. The, the the party line is that if if it's a spell that gets rid of a creature and replaces it with a known entity, like we're talking rapid hybridization, where it's destroy target creature, um, target creature's controller puts a three three elf. No, not elf. Uh, frog lizard uh, onto frog the battlefield. Lizard, yeah. yeah. Um. So if it's a known thing that you're transforming into, that's blue. But effects that put a random creature from your deck out are red due to the chaotic nature of red. Right, so we, the first the first one was probably something like Chaos Warp. So yeah, so they pretty much mm -hmm. shifted that, the Polymorph effect into red from blue. Um, I have a problem with this card. What's what's your problem? Because Julian? my problem with this card is this is just another way for people to easily cheat things out in standard that they should not be cheating out. Mm. We've discussed mm -hmm. several times that there is a lot of good ramp in the format. So this is not. A turn four spell this is a turn three um spell maybe even a turn two spell if we're playing more powerful formats mm -hmm. there's a lot of ways to generate tokens easily raise the alarm gives you two omen of the sun gives you two there's a bunch of other things that give you tokens um and essentially if you're exiling a token creature it's not a real card so it's you know you're up on card advantage right and then up until just a couple weeks ago this could easily pop a agent of treachery out um, and it can still pop out yeah. all sorts of other things. And I don't understand why wizards is printing so much of this effect. Uh, essentially, you know, a bunch of the Jeskai Luka deck got banned because you could play Luka, uh, you know, the, you know, um, uh, the planeswalker face, version of the this face, <laughs> the, yes, exactly. The face planeswalker from Ikoria. You could just play that. And then down tick on any random token that you were playing because you were mm -hmm. playing Fires of Invention as well, which just made everything free. So you could just do that, and then you get a seven mana Agent of Treachery on turn, you know, four or five, mm -hmm. potentially even sooner if you wanted to play like some ramp in your stuff. I don't know why Wizards is doing this. Um, they also have Winota out, which does roughly the same thing when you're able to dig so deep um, with Winota. Um, and, you know, her triggering off multiple things. I just really think Wizards needs to think about this ability to cheat things into play so easily. Um, has you know has I mean? Luca it, been seeing a lot of play recently since uh, Yorian and all that kind of stuff went down? So, I believe Luca still sees some play, but not nearly as much. It was really 
it was part of the combo, right? You basically mm-hmm. played yeah. Agent of Treachery and you played Luca, and then you had Luca to just get your Agent of Treachery from wherever it was in your deck. Um, it also gave you additional card advantage, but it, it wasn't as much. But you know, you could get multiple Agent of Treacheries off of Luca because you could just defend it and stuff. Um, so, so it's do not you see seen this, play. Do you see this as like a four additional copies of? luca in a deck to help with consistency or do you see it like being used instead of luca or like my my question is you know if if luca is not seeing as much play anymore will there be an actual threat in transmogrify i don't know but obviously Mm -hmm. wizards is going to continue to print good creatures that you might want to cheat out um and also we're going to have a change in the format when this comes out in full and a change in the format when rotation as well as Zendikar comes in the fall. My issue primarily is that um, obviously Wizards was planning this format. They didn't think they were going to have to ban things. Mm -hmm. So how did they think it was okay to make another of these effects when there has been so many extremely powerful and busted creatures in the format and they're just Mm -hmm. going to allow us to... This is not a card that you play fairly. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you don't play this and you're yeah. like, oh boy, I hope I hit my Reclamation Sage so I can, you know, blow up their enchantment or something. Mm-hmm. No, you play this because you're playing, you know, maybe two different creatures in your deck. That's a total of eight cards. And you're like, okay, I'm going to either hit an Agent of Treachery or a blank. You know, mm-hmm. both of them are going to win me the game. Right. So I, I just, it, it, it blows my mind that Wizards thought this was okay, and I I genuinely don't like this effect that much because it just gets abused. No one plays this fairly, um, and you would never play this as a removal spell against your opponent because they're playing busted creatures like you are. Mm -hmm. So I think think one of the interesting things that I've seen come up online recently is when new cards are spoiled and then someone reminds everyone about certain cards that have been since banned but would have been out in the same format. And I wish I wish I remembered a particular example now, but it was something something spoiled in this set, and then someone had said, uh, you know, Oko was going to be legal with this. And everyone kind of had a moment of silence and terror. And so, yeah. Yeah, it, same thing like, with Once Upon a Time. Right, it's, it's that thought that, like, um, Agent of Treachery was going to be legal with this. And I think that's that's basically what you're getting down to of, you know, there's a fear, especially with the more that this effect is printed and where we might see something like um fires of invention where the reason that it was banned was because you know all these high-powered cards coming out that weren't tested as heavily against fires of invention as new cards were printed in new sets that this effect might be something similar where you know new cards are printed that this wasn't fully tested with and that could come out and do dangerous things right mm-hmm. yeah i just i don't know i think there needs to be a uh... A look in the mirror at play design um and see what they want to what they want to do because they've been towing the line a lot and i would i would rather they uh just tone themselves down than have to consistently ban things you know what i mean um, I'm, I'm actually of the opposite camp i i prefer i think that maybe there's a, a something to be said for not acting as swiftly um when something needs to be banned but i do like testing the boundary a lot and being able to call stuff out when it doesn't work now this could be because mainly i'm playing standard um on arena where if i lose a couple cards what they seem to do is they give you wild cards equal to that number to try something else out so there's no real actual loss i would say and as as it gets a little more digital for formats like standard or um less casual formats i personally am okay with towing the line more but if you're more swift with the ban hammer to be like you know we tried something it didn't work we're sorry let's get this out of here so we can get back to a more healthy environment. Yeah, I I still would prefer the other way instead, but I think, mm-hmm. yeah, if they're going to continue to push like this, they just need to be on it, and they need to essentially let the player base know, okay, now that we've shifted into this new era of mm-hmm. constantly pushing cards, constantly trying new things, there's going to be a lot of overturn. Um, and you just need to get used to the fact that we're probably, you know, we could be banning things every two weeks or something, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, if, if they, if they make it clear, if the player base knows and 
they, you know, are consistent with banning things that are a problem, mm-hmm. I I would I would take that over what we have now yeah. any day. I think it's what they're trying with historic because I believe that the statement with historic is like we technically could ban something any given Monday, uh, and they've they've used that a couple times now to a little bit of grumbling from the crowd. Um, but it is something that it seems like they're testing the waters of being more like, okay, you know, we can ban whenever. We probably won't, but we reserve the right to if something, you know, comes up as super powerful over a weekend or something. See, like I that. think I think they should just have that in general for for standard and historic, and, and I don't think that they've made that many impactful. Like, I don't I don't think they've really banned that much in historic. I think the biggest one was recently when they banned. The same cards they banned on a standard in uh yeah yeah or, yeah they they banned Winota too but um which was interesting that was actually like an emergency ban but they yeah. right before that they banned fires and agent like they did out of standard so mm. all right let's let's know. move I, on from yeah. this this yeah. talk of all this negativity and banning and such <laughs> right um I want to talk about just two more cards um mm-hmm. one is Necromentia one black black choose a card name other than a basic land card name. Search target opponent's graveyard hand and or library for any number of those cards and exile them. That is a effect that has been printed on multiple cards throughout the years. We haven't really had one in standard, um, mm-hmm. so I like this. This is nice to just pull out, you know, specific key pieces, um, especially if you're playing any any sort of best of three match. Um, the yeah. cause with this one is after you do that, uh, the your opponent gets to create. Uh, a 2-2 black zombie creature for each card exiled this way. So if they're playing four of that From card, they're getting hand. it for... So so it's you create a 2-2 black zombie creature token for each card exiled from their hand this way. Oh, I didn't even see that extra word. Okay, well, then this card is even better than I thought because I already <laughs> thought this card... I already thought this card was nicely playable just mm-hmm. to pull certain things. Um, You know, certain decks just can't beat certain cards. So ha- having this way to kind of just get those out and not have to deal with them, that's really nice. And then... You know, if they're instead, I thought they were always going to be making, you know, three or four two two black zombies. But if they're only making one, maybe zero, then this card is great. Um, yeah, this card is phenomenal. I think this is uh, great, especially for any sort of control mirror or something like that. All right, uh, Chev, any any thoughts on that card? No, I I mean it's an effect that I'm I'm glad is back, sort of to um, take down particular strategies. I think it it pairs well with. Another um, card that is actually a reprint that's coming out in this set. I think it's, I'm trying to remember the exact words, but Ruined Halo. Um, I think it's you name a card and then you get protection from that card. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so as as it enters, choose a card name, you have protection from the chosen card name. It's too white. I think it's really good to see, like, we're seeing these all-star cards that are being played over a, a large swath of decks. And having these sort of individual answers to those particular cards, I think, is a very useful thing. As you know, you said earlier, as we get into this format of certain cards that are really pushed, it's like, okay, that's terrifying, but we have uh, at least a couple more tools in our disposal to get rid of it or to right. render it I, inert. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree. Um, all right, last card I want to talk about: Sublime Epiphany. And Chev, you actually showed me this card, so I'll. Uh, I'll read it out and then let's discuss this because it's a it's a monster. Four oh, generic, <laughs> four generic, two blue, rare, instant. Choose one or more. <laughs> Counter target spell. Mm-hmm. Counter target activated or triggered ability. Mm-hmm. Return target non land permanent to its owner's hand. Mm-hmm. Create a token that's a copy of target creature you control, and target player draws a card. Are there enough modes on this card, Jeff? I would say no. I think we could easily, you know, fit another one in if we really squeeze to make it I, um, at least give it six options. Because I think five is really, you know, it's not enough, especially when you can only do five of them at a time. Right. Yeah. So it's six mana. There should be one option for each mana. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> all these effects are one mana effects. We're just kind of gluing them together. Right. Exactly. So uh, <laughs> are they? Um, last time I checked, cancel was a three mana card. Um, Yes, so this card is sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. It's basically like Cryptic Command's bigger, bigger brother. Um, yep. uh, the fact that you can do all of these is yeah. crazy. Uh, I'm I'm personally thinking uh, one of our one of our the members of our playgroup um, 
plays Maelstrom Wander consistently. So yep. if he goes Maelstrom Wander and I cast Sublime Epiphany, I can counter Maelstrom Wander. I can also counter the Cascade, or at least one of the Cascades. Yeah. Um, I can return uh, something else to someone's hand, um, mm-hmm. either something uh, my opponent's control or maybe something I want to trigger again. I can create a token of something that I already have out, and I also get to draw a card. That yeah. seems like an incredible steal for six mana. Yeah, um, I know. You you have to keep open six mana, so I I am interested to see how many times this is played as a six mana counter spell with upside, or more what I what I think I'd be playing it is as is I'm playing it for the bottom three abilities, and if I get the chance to counter something, amazing. Or terrible for the other person that I then get three other abilities with it. But I'm I'm interested to see, you know, even though this has so many abilities um if it will outrank cards in more um uh eternal formats then uh that what was it it was a four mana instant from uh eldritch moon that exiles all spells on the stack i think that this one yes i know the card you're talking about i forget the name um i think this i don't think either will see play in eternal formats aka everything that's not standard and commander mm-hmm. um i think it just costs too much um yeah even though it's even it's though a it does cruiser of a card exactly so so this will see play in commander definitely it's mm-hmm. just it does too many things not to i i look forward to countering your ulamog the ceaseless hunger and also countering <laughs> um its exile trigger that'll be Ooh. sweet and then also and then also drawing a card and then also bouncing your co-select to your hand um well, I'm, I'm fine if you bounce goes like I'll just draw four more cards. Nah, that's whatever. I can just counter that too. <laughs> um, uh, and then I think it might see some play in standard as a nice like top end control mm-hmm. option. Um, blue yeah, white control, blue white control still is a deck. It's not mm-hmm. tier one, but it's tier two. So they they often will just keep six mana open. Uh, so you can easily just do this. But I just wanted to highlight this card because it does basically everything I want to do. It's a, a big, splashy instant that I can just hold my mana open for. Um, and also, it's just... Once again, Wizards is just really... They're just like, here, you want some more text? Here it is. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's the last card I wanted to talk about. Jeb, is there anything else that you want to discuss? No, I think we've covered all the all the major points. So obviously, there's tons of goodies in this set for everyone. Um, we just you know listed our favorites or things we're looking forward to or that you might see on the Brew Crew and particular things in the future. Um, but you know, if there's anything that you guys think is really interesting out there or something that you really want to see from us, uh, always feel free to reach out and we will totally think about it and write an article about it because there's just so much good content here. Uh, we can only cover so much in a, a podcast that's already probably one of our longer ones. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. Um, there will be, uh, there will be core 21 themed, uh, things coming down the pipeline real soon. So that's almost it for us, but we do want to talk about one more thing, and it's a new segment that we're introducing here on the Brew Crew Podcast, and that's Finance Time with Chip. <laughs> so the idea here is, you know, like everyone has um, the ability to get the Goldfish Weekly um, newsletter, or they check mtgstocks.com for the more updates on the individual cards. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of go over that a little bit, but I want to more talk about, you know, some of the bigger trends that are going on or some of the things that people should be aware of. Um, one, so, you know, like starting off, uh, since Core 21 is coming out, we have this big set. Uh, reprints are probably starting to go down a little bit in price, but you should probably wait before you jump on those because the set still hasn't actually come to paper yet. Um, and we're seeing some of the stuff like we talked about earlier with uh, the, the little goblin guy, um, Conspicuous Snoop. And the cards that kind of combo with him, um, Bogart, Harbinger, uh, an older, I think it's Goblin Recruiter, um, and other stuff. These these are starting to see a slow uptick in price as people are preparing, um, maybe not necessarily to buy them out, but they definitely want to try these combos in the older formats. So if these, these older cards are something that you're interested in or in these combos, it might be time to look into picking a copy up uh, before they get really up there. I would... You know, just like I, I mentioned with the reprints, I would wait on buying the Core 21 cards because they are always inflated prior to release and everything drops, you know, at least a few dollars when it actually hits paper. So be a little bit cautious about that. Um, and the, the last thing I want to bring up is 
we're getting, it's about time for us to look back at uh, mystery boosters. Now, reprint sets generally hit their floor uh, of value between three to six months after release, and this set was certainly no exception. Um, the set has 1,600 cards, so there's bound to be stuff in there that you need, and I'm sure local game stores would happily, you know, um, service or help you out if you're looking for individual stuff, because right now everyone needs all the support we can give them. Um, and, you know, there's more inventory out there since uh, Wizards was kind enough to give mystery boosters packs to a lot of stores that were hurt by COVID-19. Now, what I'm really interested in, in this is the, uh, the foils that came with all of the retail packs. Now, this, this is definitely like sort of a, an add-on feature that was interesting, um, but probably not something that everyone was looking for. And as a result, the prices on cards that were of those foil treatments has absolutely cratered. Um, as an example, you know, this last week I was able to pick up a copy of Conspiracy, which is that old um, black card that makes all creatures um, a given type. Um, Lich's yep. Mirror, which does a good job with, um, you know, another one of those cards that prevents you from death. Uh, Reki, right. History of Kamigawa, draw a card, I think, every time you cast a creature. Um, uh, legendary spell. Legendary spell. Perfect. That's much, much more balanced. Uh, Rune Tail, Kitsune Ascendant which is a nasty card that basically prevents all combat damage in Commander. Uh, Norn's Annex, another sort of version of Propaganda, and a foil version of Not of This World, the seven mana um, spell, colorless spell that costs seven less if, it, if a spell is targeting a permanent you control and it counters target spell. And I picked up all of those for $15, which also could get you a copy of Sen Triplets, which is normally a $40 card. So these, these foils are really not getting the attention they deserve, um, and everything that you could possibly think of uh, wanting from this set is so much cheaper. Like a foil Karthus Tyrant of Jund is only $5 if you're thinking of dragons. And so That's it's ridiculous. definitely something, it's, it's crazy. And you should 100% look at these um, and pick them up soon. And remember, these aren't like the foil from the vault printings either. These are actual foil treatments of cards. And so if you're worried too much about them bending or things like that, since it is foil, you still have to worry about that a little bit, but certainly not as much as other of the supplemental products do. So it's it's really something you should um, take a peek at if you haven't already. And I think that's it for the word vomit that is the financial section of this podcast. Chev, I actually do have a couple of financial questions for you real quick. Sure. Um, one, if there is one card that you would pick to speculate on in this set, uh, could, could you give us a, give us a, a little insight on that? Yeah, so I, I generally, I'm not a huge fan of speculation. Um, I would see it more as if there's a couple cards you might want to pick up before they get ridiculously expensive for your formats. Um, the only thing that I would ever think is like worth really investing money in for my like buying multiple copies is uh, basic lands you like or things that you're worried about you might not have access to two or three copies. But I'm certainly not the kind of guy who likes the idea of getting, you know, 10, 15 copies of a reserved list card and hoping to watch the price, like, jump up. That that takes a lot of fun out of the game for me. But So I would look out for anything that you think has synergies with existing um, uh, formats or cards. Uh, and definitely look to Reddit for all the comments of people putting in, like, oh, this works really well with something else because then that's something you really want to jump on. I think Chromatic Orrery is going to be huge uh, when it starts coming out. Um, and I think, you know, we're just touching the tip of the iceberg with it in Standard and Eternal Formats, which are probably the largest consumer of paper magic cards at this point, um, is going to see a lot of stuff there. And um, it's probably Chandra's Incinerator, I would say. I think that that, you know, even if it comes out and it's not really looked at, it has the chance to really grow in future. Word, word. All right, my last question for you is, uh, we are slowly coming out of quarantine right now. I'm in phase two. I think you're also in phase two where you are. Um, do you think the fact that we're still in a COVID-19 world is going to affect the prices of these either in print run and distribution, things like that? How do you think that's going to roll out? So initially we saw a, a large, um, well, so when, when quarantine started, very little um, in terms of paper magic was moving. The prices were relatively stagnant. 
Um, but since, you know, there weren't new strategies being tried out in paper, there weren't people going to FNMs and doing new stuff. Um, we have seen that sort of change a little bit as the economy opened up, as local game stores became more, yeah, open, and you could go and pick up cards. And especially with Core 21, things are kind of getting back into full swing with cards being purchased. We have seen some announcements from Wizards that these initial print runs are going to be a little bit smaller, or certain cards, uh, or, or certain runs have less availability, so that might cause these cr prices to kind of shoot up a little bit in the short term, but I certainly don't see much difference um, in these cards, you know, if we were to look back a couple months from now when hopefully quarantine is over and we're all still being, you know, socially distant and all that stuff, but I, I don't see that the quarantine will have a everlasting effect on this set or magic in general during this period. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, that is a uh, that's the moves on the money, as they would say. Chev, thank you for enlightening us. And I think that's gonna do it for us, right? Yeah, I think I think that's all we wanted to talk about. We definitely talked to you guys' ears off about uh, Core Twenty One. Um, so you know, let us know if you think we missed anything. Excellent. All right, and uh, stay tuned for some Core Twenty One themed discussions, some brews, and just more excellent content here on the Brew Crew. Uh, mm -hmm. This is Julian, and for Chev, we are signing out.